Hey everybody, welcome to the Metaverse. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Nathan, and here with our other host, Sean, and today we've got a very special guest, my good friend, Dr. Nathan Bonney. I asked Hello. him to come on uh, to discuss some of his ideas. He recently received his PhD, and so we've been friends for a few years now. I'm really excited to finally have him on and discuss these ideas with you. We've talked about them a lot. And so um, I'm ready to get into it. Sean is going to give a little introduction as to uh, what his background and what he's like. All right. So Nathan Bonney is a PhD graduate from the University of Toronto, Department for the Study of Religion. He earned his bachelor's in English, language and literature from University of Waterloo in 2009 and his master's in philosophy of the Institute of Christian Studies in 2012. His academic interests include ethics, continental philosophy of religion, phenomenology, liter, liter, literary theory, literary theory <laughs> Jewish studies, psychoanalysis, and theories of subjectivity. His PhD research se seeks to give an account of why we witness and carry out acts of generosity and responsibility. And he, he is going to go a little bit more into the philosopher of Emmanuel Levinas tonight, today with us. So, yeah. So why don't you just tell us first a little bit about uh, what it was like recently defending your uh, your book on Emmanuel Levinas, and you can kind of give us a gist of who this character is and why you felt so compelled to do your doctorate. You know, based in his line of thinking. Yeah, great. Um, well, first I'm going to say thanks for having me here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah we're there's um, lots to say, lots I could talk about, but um, that's a good question. I, it was uh, December, last December that I flew back to Toronto. Um, and it's much like today, you don't really know what's going to be asked of you in the, in the final exam, but they've all, there's five professors that all guided me through the project and and uh you still have to go through that formal defense of, of your work nice. and everything yeah. like that um and yeah i defended without any like revisions and i think it went fairly well one thing that was nice was i was able to give uh kind of start out on a strong foot i guess you could say with with reading uh for 15 minutes a kind of overview mm -hmm. a re uh, almost like now that it's been written how would I go back or even thinking like reading someone else's book and then now describing it in yeah. a new fresh way and so I got to be the first to speak and then that set sort of the tone yeah. got rid of some of the nerves and that kind of thing and then we went through a series of questions and then it was it was done and then they said you're yeah. doctor so that's I know. exciting wow yeah it took me six years at University of Toronto and um so yeah. now I'm done yeah and now you're here so you moved from Toronto that's how I met you when you right. came yes. here uh what, two years ago? Three now? Three years ago, exactly, actually. It started yeah. September 5th. And we met. It was funny how we met because we met at church and um, I was drumming that day and I was wearing a tool shirt, remember? And yes. he came in and he was he was new and I went and said hello and he was like, oh, you like tool? It's like, oh yeah, they're my favorite band. He's like, me too. And he's like, I'm, I'm also a drummer. And I'm like, oh man. And the same name. Friends? And the same, same name, Nathan. Right. And your wife's name's Erin. Yes. And so right away you're like, I'm Nathan, this is Aaron. I'm like, oh, I'm never going to forget your names because I'm bad with names. Mm -hmm. But my yeah. sister's name's Aaron. So uh -huh. it's like Nathan and Aaron. I'll never forget that for sure. 
that was cool. And so we just became friends from then. And um, for over the past few years, I've watched as you've worked on this project and we've discussed in length about Emmanuel Levinas. And um, he's got some really cool ideas. I mean, just looking at some of the overview of uh, your work and his work, uh, there's some really cool ideas to touch on. So I'm going to kind of yeah. let you start by, I don't know, uh, talking about either him or like his main ideas. Yeah, sure. I mean, you, yeah, you said, uh, you said what initially drew me to thinking, um, writing on him. Mm-hmm. For my master's thesis, I wrote on uh, French philosopher Jacques Derrida on hospitality. And mm-hmm. so that's a little bit of what is it, you know, what does it mean to welcome the other? in your nation, your home, your church? Uh, do you put, do you place conditions on your, on your hospitality, on your welcoming? Like you mm-hmm. can, you can enter, but only if you mm-hmm. uh, abide by these certain set of mm-hmm. rules and this kind right. of thing. So it was a whole larger project of what it means to, to welcome people yeah. into your midst. And, that, awesome. and so then that made me go a little bit, because uh, I, I argued in that, that he was drawing a lot from this thinker, Emmanuel Levinas. So then I knew for my, PhD for the dissertation that I wanted to get into his um, thinking and I think what really drew me in was um, what I, I, we've talked a little bit about is the, the hyperbolic nature of his thinking but also the language that he uses so yeah, I even like, I even have talk, yeah like when we talk it it seems so like grandiose his ideas right like yes. like this idea of sometimes I'll push back and I'll be like man like uh, you know people don't seem like that to me. But anyways, tell us about well, his language. Well, yeah, right? so I mean, the, the, the way he describes uh, what it means uh, to be a self and what it means to be in relation to other people or to mm-hmm. encounter others. So uh, one thing I wrote down here was uh, he speaks of the self as exposed to the claims of others. So others uh, make certain claims on us. They, their very humanity uh, calls out to us and says, will you, do you have resources for me? Will you, um, they appeal to our obligation and to our compassion. And that's mm-hmm. essentially, he uses the phrase, the face of the other. Mm-hmm. So when he, when he says that, that's, uh, he's talking about how the, the way, the ways in which other people sort of interrupt our day and our life and, and, and kind of appeal to us and say, you know, will you include me? Will, do you have resources for me? Butterfly effect. No way, <laughs> and I well I don't I don't know can't speak to that but but one of the so in terms of the hyperbolic language so yeah. uh, he says um, uh, right here that one one can discern a responsibility to, quote to give to the other even the bread out of one's own mouth and the coat from one's shoulder end quote so that's like you know the mm. the way he describes this responsibility is this you could call it. Um, uh, uh, giving up of the self or self-giving yeah. responsibility. Well, what you told me before that I felt really kind of sums up Emmanuel Levinas is that he says uh, responsibility comes before freedom, right? And so to me, that's a like that's why the hyperbolic language of how he speaks and like this idea that we could be perfect, right? If only we tried harder. And I totally believe in that idea that we could be so much better than what we are if we try harder. And unfortunately, we fall into these 
you know, these places where we don't put the neighbor in front of ourselves. I mean, who does that, right? Like, how many people do you know really, like, would take the bread out of their mouth and give it to that person or take the coat off their back and give it mm-hmm. to that? Like, it sounds right. great. That's what you want in your society. But how do we get the society there, right? Like, how do we, how do we move from freedom... Because that's, that's what our society is essentially based on, I would say. It's based on this idea of personal freedom. Yeah. Whereas Emmanuel Levinas would say that's not No, yeah, he even, he even says would... to welcome the other is to put one's freedom into question. Mm-hmm. So that means, yeah, to, to be ethical means to put your own mm-hmm. um, rights and your own self aside and, and mm-hmm. elevate someone else. Address someone's suffering or elevate someone from a from a bad situation. I think yeah. that, um, what you need to do to get the society on the same level, yeah. right? You have to lead by example. Oh, totally. And you have to have an audience. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you're if you doing this yeah. in in private, then nobody else is going to see that you're doing these kind gest- these acts, right? Mm-hmm. But if you do it, like, for example, like I, there's this homeless guy, I bought mm-hmm. some food randomly. I don't do this too often, but I just did that. But, like... Um, I'm broker than broke sometimes, yeah. and I, I could barely afford it, but I still do it because I know they're struggling, right? Mm-hmm. And um, oh, and someone might see that. That's someone might see that and be like, "Hey, maybe I'll do that next time," right? Mm-hmm. And then they'll they'll get the society up to that level. See, I do that stuff like all the time. I yeah. mean, I work with these types of people, but what led me into this type of work was that idea of like uh, being very generous and putting others. Like my, I would say I have in every way of my life tried at least as best as I could to put responsibility before freedom, right? Like Mm -hmm. even just the idea of having a child or having a family, right? Like I would say Mm -hmm. for you, what I really liked about you right away was that I could sense even before we talked about these kind of ethics that you pursue, even though it's hyperbolic and it's more of a pursuit, right? It's not like an end game. It's this pursuit of holiness as you say, or a saintly existence or, um, you know, this idea of possibility that we could expand on. But what drew me to you is that you really try to do that. And I would say I really try to do that too. Um, but I, I like that idea of what you say, like where people, like you need an audience almost because I was taught and you too, we both were taught in biblical mm-hmm. teachings, right? And Jesus, he says, he kind of says the opposite says like oh, right. you know, don't yeah. do acts of kindness do them in or secret. hospitality do in them in secret, secret. Mm-hmm. so the, but the reason he's saying it in that context is that so many people will only perform it and i'll even say that perform because it's performance they'll do an act of hospitality or go out of their way not because yeah. they care about this person but because the of the audience right so yeah. it's about distinguishing whether you're doing it for the audience or for the person right and yes. Um, and so I always grew up kind of doing those things in secret, but I do think that it, it should be seen and I don't think you should necessarily be shameful of it. Maybe it's the way to go about it. Um, but there is a fine line of how you show that hospitality or, mm-hmm. you know, cause you have to worry about your pride. It can't be about you. It has to be about that person, right? Or else it won't, it won't manifest anything good. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you have to be, I think. Uh, I'll end with this point. I think that you have to be ready when you're doing an act of kindness 
you have to be ready for the only audience to be that one person, right? And, and in many situations, they need to know that they're the only audience, right? Because sometimes charity is not easy to be easy to get taken for, right? Or it's not easy to ask of other people things. Um, and you don't want people to know. Because in the exchange, you know what I mean? In the exchange, right, exactly, yeah. there's a power dynamic instantly in the sense of like, I have more than you or this is coming out of my heart, right? And so you have to mm -hmm. be mindful of what that exchange can do to the person who's receiving. They need right? to know that to know it's that. a, it's a, what do you call it? Like non-reciprocal. Like yeah. it's a, you're not expecting anything back. Yeah. And, and you're doing it out of true, the goodness of your yeah, heart, you're right? responding you're to, it. you're responding yeah. to their very humanity. Yeah, you're yeah, not doing it to feel better than that, like put them down in a sense or anything like that, or to no. get an audience. There's a, you're, yeah, both Darren yeah. and Levinas talk about uh, an urgent response to mm -hmm. need so that even, uh, I mean, I don't know if we can, there's lots we could talk about, but one thing is, um, is, is jumping or is uh, to jump to this idea of uh, responding to need without even discerning between strangers is another idea. Mm -hmm. So not even letting the human predicates or the human qualities that we have, but just in every, each and every person is my neighbor. Each mm -hmm. and every person is someone that, yeah, their very mm -hmm. humanity makes a claim on us or, or calls out to us, right? So this is, so I mean, so one way to characterize, to kind of go uh, back to a little bit of the, this idea of how to describe the research or the questions that, made me uh, write all this would, I mean, I, I essentially just described it as other centered ethics because you do think of ethics um, usually as in the sense of like moral principles or right conduct. And there's some of that, but it's not as normative or it's not as uh, uh, prescriptive, right? It's so, and this goes back to something right. you said, is this, is this the way it is? is Levinas describing how things are or is it something that we need, that we should be striving yeah, I think it's all about striving for, right? Well, actually, so the thing that, uh, like, you jump right to the objections, which is like, oh, this, this is very <laughs> utopian. This is like, no, I mean, I got, yeah, I I got asked in my defense, yeah, one I of the do. questions was, how do you account for a lack of altruism? And they said, it seems to me you're, you're, quite, you're quite convinced that this is a, like, livable reality, or that this ethics is, uh, and I mean, you kind of generously said that you could sense that I yeah that I thought that this is how people live that people live uh, always trying to well, alleviate suffering also. always trying to address uh, uh, the claims that are made on us and, and mm -hmm. always seeing ourselves in terms of responsibility but we know there's lots of greed mm -hmm. there's lots of uh, people and, and so the world burn. yeah so they asked me this and one yeah. two things really quick I would say and but then this is even jumping ahead quite a bit to, without really entertaining or going over Levinas's arguments, uh, which if, if we go through them, they, they almost like, they don't, it's not like they convince you, but they're, the more you read him and the more you, um, break it down, then you see that this is actually part of human experience and mm -hmm. part of, um, what you might call like our ethical condition or our human condition. So that, uh, even, even going back to the question of, do we see in our everyday life accounts of, of, of generosity and how do we account for them? Mm -hmm. So I, I think we see them and, and he talks about it as like, uh, you'll see it in the simple after you at the bus stop to someone, you know, laying their life down for another person. So there's a whole, mm -hmm. um, uh, kind of spectrum, but the, 
But the idea is like, or the question I sort of had at the beginning was, why do people act this way? And usually, so there was a couple of things you could explore. One is that they're compelled to act with compassion and responsibility as a result of upholding certain religious views. So even the idea of like addressing someone's need, yeah. but thinking like, oh, God will reward me for this, right? Or, or I'm doing this because mm-hmm. God has asked me to do this. Mm-hmm. So I started, I, I would say my, yeah, kind of, my kind of root of how I pursued this type of thinking was Jesus, right? Like, it sounds very Jesus-like, what Emmanuel Levinas says, like this idea yeah, there's, of putting there's... the other before yourself. And so, um, like, I grew up religiously, at least, I, I did consider this idea that God was watching me. Um, I also considered, like, that I wanted to do right by my mom and dad, and my mom was very, like, she would teach me these ideas of Jesus, right? Like, that you got to put the self before or the other before self and Mm -hmm. like, yeah, take the bread out of your own mouth or the coat off your own back for those around you. And I really, there's something about, um, there's something about it that I find really respectable. The idea of a man who can, uh, like an every man, any of us that, and that it does exist. Cause I do believe of course this type of living exists. People do it all the time. People are willing to lay down their life for others. Right in a non-reciprocal fashion. So it exists. So it could exist on the whole. I do believe that. It's possible because it does exist within certain Yeah, exceptions. I argue that. We witness, uh, you know, we yeah, witness we acts witness. of generosity. Yeah. We experience uh, yeah. these things and we and, mm-hmm. and a kind of a call in our everyday encounters with people too. We just don't experience it enough. But, I yeah, think. or the other idea is I said in my defense when they said, how do you account for lack of altruism? Too, I said something mm-hmm. about uh, that I got from another thinker. Um, but it was um, not yielding to the claim of the other. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the time... You don't yield to it. Yeah, sorry, I'll interrupt. Please. No, of course. Uh, I, I think a lot of the time it's just our egos get in the way yeah. of uh, just following what's true to our ethics and stuff like that. So Yeah, there's actually, I wrote this down, Levinas says, the face of the other speaks, and in speaking, decenters me and removes me from the center of a universe governed by myself. So in this sense, the other interrupts my self-enclosed ego, this is me talking now, and opens me to the task or to the call of responsibility. So it's, it's, it's very, it's, some people would say proximity. Proximity is important for him, right? You, um, um, you do already uh, understand yourself maybe as responsible even before meeting people, but it's something about in the proximity or encounter with others that this um, this responsibility before freedom is like intensified, and that's um, that's another thing that I kind of explore. But the 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 tricky part of the argument, um, if we want to get into like the the more dense part of it, is that I argue that responses of compassion and responsibility occur as a result of a pre-reflective openness to the other that uniquely constitutes the self as responsible. So can you, can you say that again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is I mean, Same you know, thing. they you have to you have to uh No 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 yeah. It's both it's both exactly yeah, okay, awesome. sure, sure. So um so you know we could contend that no. res- 
But say the quote. Say the exact quote. Yeah, yeah, okay, quote sure, sure. Yeah, so I argue that the responses of compassion and responsibility occur as a result of a pre-reflective openness to the other that uniquely constitutes the self as responsible. And I could keep reading here. So the distinctive claim of Levinas is that an ethical responsibility is incurred, that is recognized, at the corporeal level, like through the body, through a bodily level, through a proximity, through the proximity of the neighbor. So it's in our everyday experience that we are faced with others, and it is through the utterances and gazes of others that we experience ourselves being addressed. So we've already kind of talked about that. So just a quick question, speaking of Emmanuel Levinas, so when was he thinking? When did he die? Oh yeah, okay, so born, yeah, sorry about that. Just because... When you say that, this idea of the proximity of the neighbor, uh, like for him, his core thinking comes in this idea that you said before uh, that I, I really like that you said, the other interrupts my ego and calls to task. And this idea of the, the corporal level and the proximity level. So when you're in face to face with somebody, there's, you, you kind of have, you almost have to strip yourself of your ego. Right in the face-to-face interaction, um, it's no longer like me, myself, and I. Like there's a, a dynamic here, and so it, yeah. it strips this idea of the ego, and which is a, an important point to to make. And then, so through this proximity, you kind of you're called to responsibility. You put certain things aside because of it. And so I'm just wondering, based on what Levinas mm-hmm. was thinking, like you know, when what we've discussed so much in is how our society has changed how we have proximities, right? Like the neighbor, the neighbor for Emmanuel Levinas looked a lot different than it does today. I think, right? He died, when did he die? In the um, 90s? Yeah, so he was born uh, 1906 and then he died Christmas Day 1995. Oh, 1906. And so when was his like main body of work? Was um, it the 50s, 50s and 60s. He was writing. Was he writing like? In the 90s at all? I mean, he would have been um, Not so much more like doing... Because, yeah. uh, like, he would have probably had something to say about, like, the internet and... Um, well, we have talked about that, which is yeah. the, the face-to-face. The exactly. less face-to-face. But what was the, the first thing you were saying about the, the other interrupting, right? Yeah, like, the other interrupts my ego and calls to task. Calls me to task, or, right? In the sense of... Um, Right, yeah. so I think so one thing we could think about that is helpful is like to broadly, um, I was trying to, I think really trying to give an account of what ethics is, like at its mm-hmm. core, um, and how okay. obviously following following Levinas, but that ethics is already this um, exposed pro- exposure to others and proximity, and something happens in that moment. But there's another thing to say, which is that it's an account of ethics that's connected to an account of what it means to be a self. So for Levinas, the self is a body, or the Levinas for their self is relational. It's not, in, in, mo- in modern times, the self is okay. autonomous, right? Like self, um, uh, mm. like, I it's almost know. like a dynamic, right? It's more of the and open. Self and why would the other, the why would the other be open to, or why would the self be open to the other? Mm. It's because the other, the, that's what I argue, like it's, it's even before uh, cognition before you are before you're a knowing being yeah before consciousness before the will before commitment before discernment I already in my uh, because I'm a, a effective 
bodily existence. I already, in my encounter with other people, I'm just kind of already uh, understand myself as responsible and I'm already susceptible or open or um, I have a certain vulnerability as a self to the needs of others, even before I make a decision or even before. Um, and there's some lines like, uh, and this gets into kind of what I wanted to talk a little bit more about today. But there is a line where Levinas says, um, uh, the good has chosen me before I have chosen it. So obligation comes before my will and um, before even choice. So there's that's the kind of thing that uh, yeah. it's a little well, tricky to, to unpack, but we could so I, I jump into it. There, like personally, I felt a sh- huge shift in myself when I became a father because of this idea. My obligation instantly became not about you not about me i'm not the center of the world anymore and i remember like feeling this shift of become going from a boy to a man at 18 like i found out i was having my kid right. at 18 and you know i just instantly stopped thinking about myself and so um there are moments where something calls us to this type of obligation and like i don't know if we really need to get into the idea of love right but isn't wouldn't that be part of like a, a key aspect of how one would be able to give up the self for the other oh right? and, and like, actually that's interesting yeah, like later in life he does talk about holiness uh so he shifts from talking about kind of obligation responsibility mm-hmm. and ethics of responsibility to uh, describing this kind of excessive uh, uh willingness to be caring for others in terms of love right and i in the in the dissertation another interesting part is i also talk about this all in terms of saints or saintly life and i didn't didn't quite get a chance to delve into like particular lives of saints but more like what are saints like and uh Mm -hmm. so i mean so i had a question yeah Uh, to to become a saint you have to perform three miracles right or is that is that that Oh, is that the saint we're talking about? But we're getting, that's like very, um, like, uh, what do you call it? I don't know. That's like Roman Catholicism. It's very historical understanding of, of, saint, of saint saints. Saint. I'm, what I'm talking about is what what is saintly life? Like, what do saints do? So, for example, um, saints do not consider their vulnerability to others to be a hindrance, right? So they're like, oh, it's not a, it's not like you're a bother, but they, uh, to me, but they, um, but their response of here I am to others is... Uh, it's something that becomes a central aspect of their life and and they uh so and there's yeah, no, I mean, a number of things that saints do that we can turn to that so Levinas says my idea of yeah. a saint is this idea of self-sacrifice like i would like to say that right like this is you give yourself up my my life if i'm going to consider myself a saint i have decided my entire life's dedication is sa- right. sacrifice not about me about my calling or about the people you and it usually has to do with others right but this yeah addressing suffering i think of it as like that's what's key suffering. too is that um and then one thing i wrote is saints do not comply with the social norms that operate uh right in society right. i wanted to talk about suffering for a bit sure. like if you, if you look yeah. at like the buddhists um they talk a lot about suffering and how to end suffering and like they come to really realization that the one guy's asked this guy like what is enlightenment what is suffering he said yeah. suffering 
like wanting more or wanting something in the beginning at all mm-hmm. is is suffering and to end suffering you have to end wanting things because yeah when that's you, very when you have when you have something that you that you want you get it and then you want something else because it's just human nature that's very Rollinsy. the the idea of the MacGuffin. peter Rollins is this thinker that says like um most people consider god to be like this i the idea of a MacGuffin, which is um the MacGuffin represents something in like a movie like a, a goal like something to attain okay right? and then when you get it the movie's done and everybody wins kind of thing like it's happening mm-hmm. right but he says like what what is so distorted about that is that we seek to gain this thing but then as soon as we get it we want something else Lots right of like that. yeah and that might have been that might be intensified by our uh, consumeristic culture and everything mm-hmm. but the idea of like and I've talked to other friends too about I mean this goes into capitalism and consumerism but that if we want to talk about natural parts of our nature and mm-hmm. our, our selfhood and stuff some people would say oh we're, we're insatiable like we're always wanting more we're not, not we're never mm-hmm. satisfied and uh, yeah I mean I think that I think our culture kind of intensifies that definitely but yeah. the I mean to go back to the Saints another thing is that they do not consider compassion for others to be as I argued, not something like an external idea placed on them. So that's that idea of like pursuing it. So there's so a big kind of thing that we could talk about is like, is this how, is this the state of affairs? Like, is this how it really is in our human experience? Or is this something like an ethics of striving? Mm-hmm. But I really do think saints don't think like, oh, I have to be obligated for others or I have to act with compassion. Instead, they view compassion as an already existing disposition. So that's where uh, Levinas and, and and saints kind of fit in my mind. And he even said, in, he sa- he's said in a couple of uh, interviews that his idea of like an ethics of holiness or an ethics of responsibility is best seen or best attested to in the lives of saints. And then he says, I'm not saying everyone is a saint. Yeah. And that goes, yeah. and that actually goes The fact to, that saint yeah. exists is sort of, where his argument is lying. Well, yeah, and that go well. That goes to the one thing to say is that um, responsibility is this idea that I was sharing with you guys earlier that responsibility is unavoidable. So this is what this is what Levinas means by that is that in our proximity to others, one thing we cannot deny is uh, is the way in which the face of the other makes a demand on us or calls us to responsibility. So, and Levinas calls this the non indifference with respect to my fellow human being. So indifference would obviously be like, you know, I don't, I don't care about you. So it's kind of like non-indifference. That's what it means mm-hmm. to be a being for the other. Yeah. And now, like I wrote down here, uh, this could, we could think of this on a structural level or a more philosophical level, because certainly on our everyday experience, we ignore the plea of others, mm-hmm. or perhaps we don't have the resources to give. Mm-hmm. You know, I've uh, yeah, had someone in my that. office needing this and that, and I just don't even have the resources yeah. to, I, I, I want to answer to the call of, of compassion, mm-hmm. but I just don't have the resources. Um, what about when we do have the resources, but... And we don't. We ignore. So the th- so here's the distinction: we're, we're, is we're scared that we might run out, or yeah, or we're too tired to respond, or something. Or maybe so, right. Sorry. Oh, no, we, feel, we feel like that giving up the thing that we already have to the other person might they might act irresponsible. Mm. 
So that's um, also adding that's acting with that reciprocal like that's that's putting conditions on yeah, your conditions. gift Yeah, yeah, so that's something I explored in that in the in the hospitality Which, is if you give something It's like I had a friend who um, who said that they got a letter from their aunt and uncle Because they had given them $300 for their wedding and they're like mm-hmm. two months later Why haven't we received a thank-you note? We gave you this money and this so this idea of, of You know, we've heard it no strings attached. I'm lending you this money or I'm giving you this thing Soon as you put any conditions on it, it's no longer a gift. That's what yeah, Darren and yeah. Levinas would say too. Mm-hmm. No longer a gift. It's something else. It's an it's a contract. It's a yeah. It's um, but um, I don't know. But so you know, there's a struggle. I've I've been struggling with this idea of gifts and stuff because I work with addicts, right? Right. So they don't want to give out so, something and then it's used. Um, you know, for the most part if money is given like they're buying drugs and so in this idea of giving a gift right and having no conditions sometimes to me when like i i have money in my bank account and some people that i work with they've got nothing right yeah but i'm not just going to give them a hundred dollars because i have that money and they don't yeah right because you're going to discern and you're going to yeah and, and so it's about um, how to give your best value yeah, to but them. yeah the best value for sure and and recognizing like where resources are like i'm more responsible with that money resourcefully wise it is better for society that i keep that money and do something that's yeah. necessary with it rather than give it to somebody who's just going to inject themselves and maybe even kill themselves in the process yeah. of no, it, and, and right? then and they would like darren and levinas would say that um, on the ground, everyday decisions have to, you know, it gets tricky, mm-hmm. right? Even yeah. think about you have more than one person requesting things from you. Mm-hmm. And, and some people have, have talked about this self-denial or this self-displacement that's in Lebanon's thought that it just kind of makes you bleed out. Like what, like if you're just mm-hmm. constantly, if you understand yourself as always for the other and as always giving to the other, mm-hmm. Some people would say, don't you have to, pres- you have to preserve, you have to maintain self-care, you have to, you know, but the, yeah. but the big philosophical thing is to say um, that, like Levinas says, there's an impossibility of declining responsibility mm-hmm. on a, like a structural level. That means like universally, right? Yeah. Like you, you're always being called to responsibility. Now you might not have the resources or you might choose mm-hmm. to not in that moment respond to that particular person in front of you with their set of needs but one thing you can't deny is that the face of the other appeals to your compassion and appeals to your obligation that's that's the thing he, he wants to set out as saying and, and a lot of it is a response to uh, you know his whole experience of, of being a prisoner of war during the war his uh, something kind of interesting is that his best friend hid his wife and daughter in a, a monastery mm-hmm. during the war. The rest of the, um, Levinas very rarely talks about the Shoah, but he does, um, his big book, Magnum Opus, is dedicated to the six million Jews mm-hmm. that were yeah, uh, killed. A, yeah, the rest of his family was, was killed. And because he was French, he, for five years, was made to chop wood for like 12 hours a day. Wow. And this has to inform, you know, when I talk about the radical nature of his thought or the mm. radical nature, yeah. he wants to make, he wants to redeem humanity mm. um, by pointing out that we must always, we must never be indifferent towards 
our brethren, towards our, our fellow man, right? Like there's always the call in the face of the other. Yeah. And this is the thing it's that... It's very optimistic, you know? It, yeah. And, yeah. And it really does follow this line of like all the great religious type of thinking, which is like self-sacrifice and... Yeah, self-denial. Uh, like a call to... Generosity. Yeah, putting aside the things that you... Like that are, you know, I don't know, kind of bogging you down. And yes. so, uh, Lebanon is Jewish, right? So, and I mean, he even endured the Holocaust, right? And so, like, there's mm -hmm. a, a big piece of who he is is his religious upbringing. But also, I was just thinking about how his ideas seem to extend towards Buddhism as well. Like, you know, kind of all these great religious type thinking all kind of center on this idea of how we treat the other. And so um, maybe you could just discuss that. You were saying mm -hmm. something about the relationship to the divine, how that's also intermixed in his thinking. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the, the things, uh, uh, certainly in my uh, third chapter, but even throughout, I, I gestured to talk about how, or moved to talk about how um, for Levinas, you know, the response of here I am to, the, to the neighbor, to the other, sets the very condition, or he argues, for any understanding or encounter with God. So, um, and, and that even goes back to saints. Like saints, they don't seek favor with God or reward from God. They just are out there directly responding to the needs of others. And uh, <clears throat> so in terms of religion, it's... Uh, uh, I don't know, like one line that Levinas says is, I, uh, going, Levinas states, going towards God is meaningless unless seen in terms of my primary going towards the other person. I can only go towards God by being ethically concerned for the other person. Mm. So that's where um, another helpful way to think about this is the middle term. So I always grew up with that it's um, the self encounters God and, that, and then, so it's self, God, other. And Levinas reverses the middle term. So he, he puts mm. the other in the middle and says that the only avenue or the only way in which one can, the only intersection or the possibility of encounter, or it's not, it, all these, yeah. these kinds of ways of talking about it, the only way that it happens is, uh, is is through giving a cup of water or giving uh, the, the bread or like giving responding to suffering and to to the needs of others in our every day. So that's what he says. Going towards God is meaningless unless I'm or it, unless I'm going responding to um, others yeah. in a particular way. Um, I wanted to say like I have you heard the I, there's a video on YouTube called Man. What's it called? Why I love jesus but hate religion and he talks about like god doesn't search you man doesn't man doesn't find god searching for god god finds you what like god searches for man yeah so i don't know if you ever heard that quote before but um mm. just wanted to I, I can't get into detail about that but it makes you think like if you're if you're dedicated your whole life to looking for god like how do i how do i get accepted to be a part like I don't know like experience like a like a miracle moment with with like Jesus or God or whatever right and um you could be dedicated your whole life to this 
when a person down the street, like that, that, that stranger even, could be experiencing God on a daily basis that you don't even know. And then you, you helping out that stranger through ethics, through, through just, just like random wow. act yeah. of love, mm-hmm. will, he'll introduce you to God, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense? It, it, yeah, it is like an introduction to God when you meet somebody, right? And when you have a deeper interaction, like one of maybe not even reciprocal hospitality, but with just an act of hospitality mixed in the midst of yeah. the encounter, whether it's from one to the other or just even the idea of this conversation is a hospitable one and not one of hostility, right? Which is sometimes yeah, the case. that's a condition for I us mean, to even yeah. un, uh, for God to be encountered or thought yeah. of. Yeah. yeah, and there is a thought that like God is in the midst of conversations, right? And and in this interaction of people, and so um, and totally a lot of people. So to me, I've always really. Um, thought it very interesting on the different perspectives we all have of God and this I have this love of the uniqueness of humanity and what I liked what you put in here Nathan was that um, um, particularly for Levinas the word God does not correlate to the being of God but rather to the call of holiness like to me that's so key the difference between like spirituality and religion to me is this idea of spirituality recognizing that all of us have a connection to the divine in a certain way and all of us perceive God to be something different. Even in like Alcoholics Anonymous Anonymous and stuff, there's this idea uh, that I think it's like the second place is like you you recognize that, um, uh, that I'm not in control of my addiction, um, that there is a higher power in control and and even within that, they recognize that everybody must understand that there is a higher power. Like, it's part of the package. Like, there is a higher power. But even within how they describe it, to them, God, it, they, I think they say the God of my understanding, right? So everybody has a God of their own understanding, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always, not always correlate. Either. It's not always the same, yeah. right? And so... In those interactions, like you're saying, maybe this person has a, an understanding of God. And in that interaction, you're almost, if hospi- if hospitality is kind of the center, or like love, you could almost say. Like, if you encounter that meeting with love, then um, it allows that kind of interaction of our perceptions of God to be um, shared or experienced, right? And, um, like, yeah, I've found so much... To this idea that all of us perceive God so differently, even if it's, even if you're sitting in the same church, right? A lot of Christians wouldn't want to hear this kind of idea, right? Like that, that God is different for everybody, right? And that the person you sit beside in your church perceives God differently than you do, right? Has a completely different understanding of what God is, like even if you follow the same religion, right? Yeah, and, and he's not opposed to Lebanon, or I'm not opposed to. Uh, and having an, a religious experience or a, a spiritual experience or something like that. But it's that it's, I mean, it is, it's very like a post Holocaust uh, kind of religious idea too, because. Um, well, to think that he thinks this way yeah. and he endures something like the Holocaust, right? Like 
how I said yeah. in the beginning how it seems so optimistic. He seems so like like this is possible and that we should be like this, like that we should just deny ourselves, right? Yeah, even in his in his environment even, at the time. Yeah, even in the environment. Like he was holding on he was faithfully yeah. in his work. Right, right. Ready so, to sacrifice himself, right? Yeah, so and he's he's trying to give an give an account for something like that not to happen again, right? That that right, where we respond right. to need mm -hmm. immediately without uh, mm -hmm. um, discerning between who we're going to offer our care mm -hmm. for. So when someone knocks at the door and they don't look well, and that's a certain way or something. It, it's this it's the the, the idea that Kierkegaard says yeah. each and every person is my neighbor, so you don't get to uh, limit or discern or kind of. Um, yeah, limit, I guess, who to whom you're going to extend love and responsibility. Well, that's a very interesting point because, like, that's really the philosophy behind uh, Nazism or racism, right? Is this idea that I'm going to pick and choose the people who are going to receive my hospitality, right? And, yeah, well, I wanted to get into, like, like yeah. our consequence. We have consequences to not acting on certain things, like, in, in the ethic point of view. Because, like... Say you don't do something and then uh, give that person food, right? Then the person does, goes, breaks into a house to get some food, and then, like, mm -hmm. you find out, like, mm, consequences, you know, right. consequences, like, to our actions, to not acting do, yeah. on, on certain mm -hmm. things, so... And you might be withholding because we talked about the practicality thing. Prat There's a lot of practical, like you said, it does seem utopian or a little um, extreme or, or impractical, and that's, I mean, that we won't get into it today, but because that could be a whole other thing. But that's the fourth chapter was on, can from a psychological critique of Levinas, because yeah. Freud and other people said high ethical demands aren't good for people. Like they're, mm. it's not it's not possible. So why would we expect someone to live up, live out kind of impossible mm. ideas? But you were gonna say something. But well, where it's like I I read those guys and like yeah Nietzsche like he's. I, I very much associate myself with the realism, the, the reality that people aren't like that. But I am totally, you know, we've had discussions before where we're like completely in the same boat. You see, in the sense it, you of like, see it. You're you hopeful. You see it. Yeah. It's possible. I think people could do it. And if everybody just had, if every single person had this mentality of putting the self above the other, right? Just imagine the possibility of what society would look like if people could just adopt this yeah. and so it's about how how are some people doing this right and so the reality is is that not enough people are doing this but i think if we, if we peel it right? back so you wouldn't you wouldn't what do you think about this if we peel things back like uh mm. the way culture has shaped us or you don't think like if the, i'm not saying everybody is naturally good i'm not going to go there because Levinas obviously has experienced atrocities, so he knows. But there is something about being faithful to a certain ethical condition or an ethical responsiveness to people in our everyday. Or like you said, you you see it when you go out, mm -hmm. and it's not cultural niceties where it's like, oh yeah, you go ahead of me in the line or mm -hmm. something. It's subtle, but it can also be on a larger yeah. uh, scale where we do uh, very often witness. Uh, yeah, acts of, and, that, and that's what, like, like I keep saying, kind of, I was driven to give sort of a philosophical account of why we do this. Do we do this because of mor moral laws? Do we do this because God will reward us? Why is it that I will uh, 
yeah, take the very bread out of my mouth or the very coat from my shoulders and give to someone in need. It's and not, I, I can yeah. see why people don't do it because a lot of people have been have been used in the past. Oh yeah. And they might have been that they may have been thinking the, the the ethical way, but then they put guards up, they put shields up, and they have a wall, and they're like, mm. I don't want to be used like I was in the past, so yes. now I'm gonna I'm gonna have a hesitation. Yeah. They hesitate, and that yep. that hesitation. Yeah, that runs counter to Levinas thinking. Yeah, well, it goes <laughs> goes right into saints because uh, he talks about how saints are open to outrage, insult. It's kind of like where I work in uh, social housing. I, I these theoretical ideas really do drive a lot of my action because if someone speaking ill of me in the community or someone's upset with me, I just know that it comes from a place of pain or or there's mental health at play, mm-hmm. and I have to treat each and every person as some uh, as someone that I can uh, hopefully restore or bring hope to, right? Like yeah. I, I work in social housing, yeah. so the idea is to bring hope and stability through uh, safe and affordable housing. But there's definitely experiences where I'm like, this person on, on a, on a like, you know, logic of the world or kind of a worldly logic doesn't deserve my generosity or my concern. But, but saints, like they don't put any obstacle up. They're mm-hmm. full. And Levinas talks about that, that that characterizes an ethics of holiness is that they're fully at the disposal of the needs of others, even if, uh, like the great example that Levinas talks about too is Victor Hugo when the guy in Les, um, um, what's, the movie, what's the novel called? Les Miserables or whatever, where the guy, where the criminal comes in and takes the candlesticks, right? Mm-hmm. The very and Levinasian, the saintly existence. Yeah, the priest says, yeah. to even, give, to, even yeah. to give when someone is this, this endless and look what it giving. Did. Yeah, Levinas right? calls it an like infinite the... responsibility. Infinite. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, that's what's so hyper, like, so that's, that's, that's how I operate, too. So, uh, I just want to kind of think, so you work in social housing. I would like to discuss again another time, because we're not going to talk about it right now. Yeah, I'd like to discuss that idea of social housing, because I'm kind of in the same boat, right? Like, I work frontline homelessness, right? Like, so we're both dealing with social issues. That's yeah, we're in social work. We're both we're in social so, work, we're both and we both read philosophy, philosophical but so, a very interesting point on the whole Les Miserables thing. So I never seen it. Yeah. So okay, I'm gonna explain what just <laughs> what happens in the beginning. So it starts with this convict who um, who goes into a priest's uh, like uh, parish or whatever you'd say, right? He goes in for a night's sleep, right? And the priest brings him in, and he knows he's a convict, like, and that he welcomes him in. Then he welcomes him in, and then he catches him. He catches him stealing. Uh, some of like the gold stuff and candler like these big like gold the candlesticks yeah. yeah okay the cops end up catching him the next day mm-hmm. right so the cops end up catching him the priest knows he stole them the cops come back to the priest and say look we caught him he stole your things and he says no i gave them to him right like he and it transforms cover for him and yeah. it transforms and he becomes, the character of the yeah. individual so he becomes a mayor after that he goes on to do really great things yeah. and he, his entire life after that is characterized by yeah. self-sacrifice so, so like ethics is transformative ethics is transformative like yeah the, or that's, that's the potential right. that's the potential when we respond when even though mm-hmm. even though the you know we hesitate right and that's yeah. this idea of getting rid of the hesitation right? or not yielding to the walls. claim or the call yeah not yielding, not yielding to, to it. because because yeah they might do something bad with it or whatever but the the idea is that in 
what's what's transformative about an interaction of self-sacrifice and what you hope happens is that somebody recognizes and a lot of these people like a lot of people we both work with their entire life is characterized by the opposite of yeah. being taken advantage of and stuff like that right so when i'm some some people have never received a true act of hospitality yeah like which is crazy like it's crazy yeah. to think that or they weren't in the position to actually understand the type of sacrifice or or the type of gift right like mm-hmm. because they're so broken by trauma or whatever it might be mm-hmm. right but, but yeah that's good yeah yeah we could talk about that yeah but i mean the idea to just extend love and and compassion and responsibility mm-hmm. even when a person like i said kind of the thinking of i don't know about the world but that sounds mm-hmm. like religious but the thinking of our society or something mm-hmm. is that when the person when you forgive even when they haven't asked for forgiveness mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. give without placing conditions all these mm-hmm. this kind of radical nature of ethics or of mm-hmm. this self-giving or, or of, uh, of hospitality that is what can change society and that's mm-hmm. a, i mean that's what drew me into levinas's thinking was the, the hyperbole and that's i'll end with this uh with a, a hyperbolic kind of an example okay. of something this is something i often think about or even give as an explanation when i talk to people about levinas so he says uh this is a sentence he says it is through the condition of being hostage that there can be in the world pity compassion pardon and proximity so i mean i with levinas like they ever have to read like every sentence and, mm-hmm. and that's i spent years thinking and writing about it but what i've written here is so altruism equality justice are possible through the condition of being hostage well that's a very he got a lot of slack for that what is that yeah that's very hyperbolic language i wrote hostage right away like what is that yeah like what do you mean hostage hostage? like that doesn't that sounds like a violent metaphor violent Mm -hmm. language and so this is what i mean by him uh going you know literary theory so really quick is one thing i explored was how what his writing does to the reader and i argue that it unsettles the reader but it also inspires the reader so there's this thing called performative text. Like when we read great thinkers like Aristotle, Descartes, Plato, you know, Levinas, Derrida, when we read, there's something it like washes over us. It like performs something in us. And Levinas's language is very radical and extreme sometimes, right? So this is an mm-hmm. example. But anyways, for me, it's like it's the idea of conceiving of yourself uh, in terms of of bound to others. In, in responsibility or bound to others mm-hmm. is like something inescapable, something infinite. Like I wake up tomorrow, infinitely bound to other people. Can't escape it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what he means by hostage. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like really intense, but so, cause people will say, oh, Levinas, oh yeah, I've heard about this Jewish thinker. He's very, you know, the thinker of the other and the thinker of hostage. And I was like, yes, he does get some, but people don't understand yeah, what that he means. Almost, cause that all, I know. It means like you can't you, yeah. you can't escape it. You wake up tomorrow. No responsibility. I am responsible for people. That's what I meant by the impossibility of evading or avoiding. You like philosophically, you can't avoid it. Now, practically, you might not have resources. We've already explored that idea, right? But so I'll read the sentence again. It is through the condition of being hostage, so bound to others and responsibility, that there can be in the world pity, compassion, pardon, and proximity. So pardon, like forgiveness. So what makes 
justice so forgiveness yeah, possible is is qualities. your is on yourself understanding your understanding mm-hmm. of yourself as bound to others and responsibility that's what makes possible these acts of compassion so that's kind of what i concluded with in the uh work when i read that sentence i was like that's mm-hmm. the very beginning three years ago when i was acting when i was asking why would someone act with compassion like mm-hmm. there's just this one sentence that kind of but anyways, might not have sounded that Yeah, that's, there, well, the, like, to me, it makes sense, this idea of the hostage, but it does, it, like, the word, when you, you instantly, it. instantly associate with something, like, negative or fearful, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I like how I you know. actually say that, because it's something to be fearful of, like, you know, when you, when you say it like that, like, when you said, I wake up, and I'm instantly, like, bound because I'm, rela- I'm a relational person, and, well, and what it like makes me to be in relation is to see suffering. I'm that's totally what bound. Argues, right? Yeah, and and so for me, that's why I feel like there was such a shift in my thinking when I became a parent. Because I, mm-hmm. as soon as I wake up in the morning, I'm infinitely bound to the needs of the other, <laughs> the needs of the other, right? Yeah, and, exactly. And children are very, very needy, right? And so sometimes you don't have. Yeah, and I would say that as my daughter has gotten more independent, I have been able to kind of shift that, um, that kind of understanding of being bound to my responsibilities to like extending it. Like, okay, I don't need to spend so much time with her or like take care of her. So now I can utilize that time and energy into helping others, right? And, and, or self-development, of course, and the self-development and all that kind of thing. And the self-development is reciprocal in the sense that like, yeah, self-care and managing the self is so that I can now interact with people in a more positive way. I have the energy and the um, clear mental state. The clear mental state, the understanding where I, I'm not, you know, I remember being a kid and being so caught in my own heads that I couldn't hear what you were saying. You know what I mean? Like you just can't even grasp a conversation mm. or, or under, like you can't understand the needs of the other because you're so bound in your yeah. own needs. So, like you so can't there's, get past there's some violent, like not like violent words, but there are some interesting words that we can even think of, uh, uh, like how often he talks about the interruption of the yeah, other. The interruption. That also has negative connotation, like you said, mm-hmm. or yeah, this hostage language, mm-hmm. or um, yeah, this kind of like ripping, tearing. He talks about ethics as a tearing away from yourself, mm-hmm. and like so. This is what drew me in. I was like, what is this? What is this all about? So of course I wanted to better understand this Jewish thinker that, mm-hmm. that had given. Uh, that's, that is really interesting. You know, so the it hyperbolic was hyperbolic language. Yeah, that's what my second chapter was all about. Was the was the hyperbolic and, uh, language because I did my undergrad was in literature. So uh, my interest in literary theory is like, how do texts work and how does a reader? Uh, what happens to a mm-hmm. reader when they pick right. up a book? I know it sounds so simple, but that's kind of some no, of the questions yeah. that that come up in literary theory. Well, and that's that's the way I think of like that's so a whole topic. If you're going to talk about literary, literary theory, yeah, then like to me, the Bible, right, is an example exactly. of literary theory of like this idea where you read something and it unsettles you, but it also it calls you to calls something. you to something. Basically, yeah. Right. Okay, so I want to wrap this up now. Yeah. Yes, gone, thank you guys gone, uh, yeah. going on and on. But that was great. Up. But thanks for thanks. I for was going to say, us. yeah. Thanks Last for language. joining us, Nathan. If we if we do another um, if we do another one, like I think so, I had an idea of where I would want to go 
more like oh the and social so housing. Sean wanted to say, but yeah, sure, yeah, but social housing. If we stuff. if we yeah, if we do a second um, podcast with you because we're good buddies, like we stay in co- contact, we talk about these things all the time. We very much talk about like the idea of these kind of things, how we interact with each other, and what's going on in our society, and how do we better like how do we better improve our conditions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So both of us are in kind of different fields of social housing. Um, so we could probably talk about yeah. that kind of um, idea. But yeah, I would just say thanks a lot for coming on. And yeah, it's thanks for great. welcoming yeah. me, yeah. hospitality, yeah. <laughs> making welcome. me feel welcome here. Um, you've encouraged me and unsettled me. That's, yes. <laughs> that is what I will take away from that. What about you, Sean? How? Yeah, what were you going to say there? I, I don't remember anymore <laughs> what I was going <laughs> to oh, say. Oh, no. But, um, the interruption. Oh, yeah, the yeah. interruption of like, complex ideas. We're bound to responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, we can explore it next time. Yeah. Next time. If okay. it comes back to you, we'll lead yeah. with that. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks. Signing out. Yeah.